This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning. This is Frida Liu. You're listening to Open for Business. For many of us, coffee is a daily need. It is for me. However, premium or specialty coffee is often seen as a luxury only to be enjoyed on special occasions. Zeus Coffee is bucking this trend by making specialty coffee more affordable and accessible to all. They're also a digital-focused coffee chain enabling online order to offline delivery via their own app. I'm here with Vernon Tian, Chief Operating Officer at Zeus Coffee, to learn more about their business journey. Before we get into Zeus Coffee, Vernon, we met in our previous life. Uh, what happened? Because you're an entrepreneur yourself. Yeah, I'm an entrepreneur myself. And I think it's been almost nine or ten years that mm. we last met. Frida, you haven't actually aged. So <laughs> I think that's a great thing. I think throughout the past ten years, I've actually learned a lot of things, uh, be it an entrepreneur or being a business person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of experiences that I've gathered through the years and putting in good use into Zeus Coffee itself. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, of course, you were with uh, Laundry Hero, Laundry Locker and, and all that, right? I mean, like, I guess what was the main learnings in the last nine, ten years? I think one key learning is that timing. Timing in running a business is crucial. So when we first had Laundry Hero, we had a web-based app sort of thing where you can actually get on-demand laundry where we pick up from your home and then send to our laundry mats to get washed. But that was only in 2014. Right. And I mean, even food delivery is not something that people widely use. Not yeah, mainstream at yeah, that yeah, time, right? Mainstream, and I think logistically it's tough and, and whatnot. So economically, it just doesn't make sense. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting, right? So you can say that it's been the last 10 years and so much has you know, happened technologically, right? And mm. you said timing. And so timing with Zeus Coffee, why do you feel that it was the right timing? I think people have been... Um, <laughs> no offence, but I think people have been paying too much for coffee mm. for many, many years. I used to consume X brand for many years purely because it was very convenient for me. Mm. And a price of Americano has gone up from 8 ringgit to I think 11 now. So I think we come into the picture at the right time where we fill in the gap to make things more affordable. Okay. Yeah. So there is that space you were saying that it's not premium, I guess, like there's the Kopitiam. Yeah. And then there's that brand, which is premium mass. Yeah. So you're trying to fit in between that gap. Correct. Yeah. So you've got your typical Kopitiam where your coffee is around four ringgit each, five ringgit. Then you've got that premium mass, which Americano know it's about 11 up till uh, 20 ringgit where you get all your fun drinks or your ice blended and whatnot. And where we fit in the picture is between six to 10 ringgit. Mm sort of range. And I think that's a sweet spot where people can consume coffee on a daily basis rather than a luxury. So uh, I think our tagline itself is also a necessity, not a luxury. Right. And that is what we leave, making sure that whatever that products that we roll out fits into that sweet spot. So you spoke about timing and this mm. started in end of 2019. Yeah, that's right. How do you think it was the right timing for Zeus Coffee? I think when it comes to price point or needing a more mass mass kind of coffee chain was Mm. the right timing but when you're talking about end 2019 to when COVID actually came into the picture Mm. that helped our business model to sort of elevate and also help to educate our customers in terms of our business model itself we're very tech centered our very first app was actually launched on the very first day itself so it's less of from offline to online 
but it's very online to offline. The founders or the founding team themselves are all very startup experienced, well experienced in terms of the startup space. That was something that we tried to introduce. So when we first started, it was very, very challenging for everyone because mm. we had to educate people to order coffee and whatnot. We always get asked that, why do I have to order coffee through an app? And fortunately and unfortunately, due to COVID, everyone was actually using the app to order right. food, drinks. Okay. That helped us to educate customer at, well, if you're talking about in marketing terms, it would be cheaper in terms of acquisition. Mm. So yeah, I would say that the first few months was tough purely because we were introducing something new. And then by March, everybody had no choice. Yeah, you had no <laughs> choice. You had to order your, your coffee through the app so that you don't have to stay so long at the stores itself. And we were also ready in terms of delivery. So, And that was actually the plan from the get-go, even before COVID. Yeah, yeah. So it was very pickup delivery driven mm. versus your typical walk-in and, and, you know, the third space kind of cafe scene. Mm. Very much inspired by what we've seen in other countries like in China, in Taiwan. Of course, in current context itself, there are quite a fair bit of startups in the same space. Mm. But yeah, that was from day one. Okay, so the idea is that it's not a place where people will sit down and have it, although you do. We do, we do. We have minimal space. Mm. We do have minimal space. I think along the way, we also realised that it's less of just small space for people to pick and go. But sometimes you really do need that space for short meetings and, and whatnot. Right. So yeah, I think uh, eventually outlets that are newer have slightly bigger space. Mm. But of course, we don't emphasise or I would say that our value proposition in terms of retail basis is not that great. There's a lot of things that we can further improve on. Okay. You know, yeah. look at the four pieces of marketing. Okay, so we get the pricing strategy. Uh, the product itself, right? Where uh, Where's the coffee from? You know, what goes into the decision or the type of coffee you use? We use what we call Zeus Blend. It's blended across a few countries. I would say that in terms of product itself, we're very fortunate that we have our head of barista, who's also one of the co-founders, that he will be able to look at the trends and what are the flavors that's available. And we do all these R&D in our office itself. Mm. And that's how we came up with all the products that we are selling right now. Okay, so if I go to actually a Zeus Coffee, I don't pay cash. You can. Okay. We still accept cash. Right. But a large amount of our customers actually utilizes our app mm. yeah, to pay and to order in advance. So personally, like myself, every morning I'll leave home, say, 8 in the morning and I'll just order in advance, pass through the Zeus Coffee shop, I'll just pick it up from the store. Right, and I guess the promotions are definitely all online or on the app. True, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's right. And that's you get right. all the database. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's one key thing that we've been utilizing very well, which is data. When do we push certain kind of promotions? Who purchases what? What is the customer pattern in terms of what is the first drink that they consume? What's the last drink that they consume? When do they usually buy your pastries? When do they buy cakes? This has been very, very useful for us throughout our growth journey. Okay. So yeah. what are some findings? Is it also location based as well? Uh, yeah, depending on locations. Of course, if you're mm. talking about urban areas, uh, we've got a large percentage of customers who are using our app with about close to 50% of our customers that purchase using our own app. I'm not sure, but I believe most of the other conventional F&B would not have that mm. kind of tra traction. When you're talking about trends or patterns, a lot of times you'll be able to see customers' first touch point is always 
fun drinks. Mm. Yeah, or even when we run promotions, people would tend to buy drinks that are more expensive. Right. Yeah, because when you get a promotion, right, 50% off, then you will want a 50% off a 50 ringgit drink (laughs) instead of the typical Americano, which is 690. Then eventually we'll see the customer staying with us from your, say, an ice blended drink and then evolving into maybe a flavoured latte to a non-flavoured latte, eventually to Americano or even espresso. And these are data that we'll be able to see and evaluate what are the kind of marketing strategies and push or we call them performance marketing in Zeus Right, itself. performance marketing. Casey, we talk about your growth plans and growth strategy because as of December 2022, you've really got 180 outlets. So what's in store for 2023? We'll discuss that in just a moment. I'm here with Vernon Tian from Zeus Coffee. Stay tuned to Open for Business, BFM 89.9. Buggy Free Minum, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. morning, this is Frida Liu. You're listening to Open for Business. Speaking to Vernon Tian, uh, the Chief Operating Officer at Zeus Coffee, you've definitely seen them around at just about every corner. So, you know, as of December 2022, you know you've got 180 outlets. What are the plans moving forward, the growth plans and the strategy behind it? I think when we first started off as a kiosk, we were asking ourselves whether if this will work. Mm. Then eventually, when we started to scale, we believe in the model. We see a lot of people liking us. 2022, we went full on to open 10 stores a month to achieve 180 stores. Mm. And in 2023 itself, we're planning to open 200 stores, mm. just so that it takes us to 380 outlets by end 2023. Wow. Okay, so this is going to be the whole of Malaysia? Yeah, we would want to cover the entire Malaysia itself. And right now, you are in East Malaysia yet? Yes, we're in Sabah. Okay, Yeah. so of course then there'll be more aggressive plans throughout the nation. When you talk about growth, no overseas consideration yet? We always believe in not spreading ourselves too thin. Mm. Yeah, we just want to make sure that we'll be able to build a solid foundation in Malaysia before going overseas. Mm. And I think one statement that we all want to have is that we want to be the national champion in Malaysia. Right. uh, Which, of course, if you see in different, different countries, there are a lot of uh, national champions like Vietnam. You've got Highland Coffee in Thailand. You've got Cafe Amazon. Uh, But in Malaysia itself, uh, we want to be that national champion where people will talk about what's the biggest coffee chain in Malaysia that would be Zeus Coffee. Okay, so that's the idea behind your growth strategy. Is there an exit strategy? Do I have to answer that now? (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think think the focus is still very much making sure that people would stay with us for the longest time and Mm. be the biggest. I think when it comes to exit, it can probably be a three to five years thing where we're still thinking, thinking, but the focus is just very much uh, being the biggest and how do we constantly provide value to our customers. Okay, and you are not working on a franchising or licensing model? 
we are not on franchising and licensing model. Mm. When we first started, it was very much friends, families and fools, okay. which contributed towards a licensing model. Mm. But that model itself, we have no longer rolled out. So okay. I think across all our 180 outlets, we have about 20-ish outlets that are licensing. Okay. And then the newer outlets were all uh, consolidated basis, which is all on HQ level. Right, okay. Yeah. Why not the licensing model? Why not the franchising model? I think when you have too many licensing or franchising or franchisees, then you have to really manage your franchisees. Mm. And when it comes to quality control or things that you want to roll out, there's bound to be a lot of hiccups. So we decided to really have this on HQ level so that we can control, even when I mentioned earlier, uh, all the licensees were actually friends and families. Mm. We really, really want to control the quality, how do we roll things out to be fast enough, just so that we have lesser hiccups. And okay. uh, a lot of times you have a lot of ding-dong when you have to deal with franchisees, right? Mm. Yeah. So it, okay. So in terms of investors, do you have any institutional investors at the moment? We do not currently have any institutional investors. Okay. Yeah. And the idea is not yet. Not yet. I think we've been fortunate enough where we were growing. We had sufficient funds to grow from there. Mm. And eventually when we were slightly bigger, banks were friendlier to us. Mm. Not during the first year, right. but as we were growing, yeah, banks were friendlier to us and we managed to get a hold of some funds to support our growth. Okay. How large is the team at the moment? We have about 150 mm. Yeah, 150 on HQ level. Okay. But that doesn't include whatever that we need to support our growth for 2023. Okay, so and you, when you say 150, these are what, the tech folks? Is it more or the front of staff? What is the breakdown? These are all mainly support staffs. Mm. Or we call them support staffs mainly because on HQ level, a lot of time, or I would say the frontliners or baristas mm-hmm. are the key person that drives the whole business. Without them, they won't be who we are. So very much on HQ level, it's just support. Uh, right. outlet operations. So we've got retail ops, we've got ops support in terms of like customer servicing, we've got a quality assurance team, we've got training team, and of course we've got finance, we've got HR. The 150 are all of these departments rather than just the, you know, your typical operations on, on ground level. Right. And then what is it like? I, I'm just thinking talent will, must be a big, big challenge. Yes, mm. talent, uh, I think on ground level uh, is challenging because mm. of course more it's opening up more and more people people actually uh, getting more staff. So there mm. are more choices. Mm. Yeah. When it comes to HQ level, I think we've grown from a small startup into our size where people are very excited to join us. Mm. People are also able to see that because we are a Malaysian-born business, able to grow within three years, and it looks a bit fun. Mm. Uh, yeah, at work, um, we're all very young, energetic and all. Okay. Uh, so people are more excited to join us. Lah. So I think in terms of talent-wise, it's not such a big challenge for us. It's still opening stores that mm. is much more challenging. All right. And is it, what is it like in terms of building the culture? Is there the direction, the company vision, right? I mean, how do you share that with a team of 150? I think with 150 itself, it's very, very challenging. It's unlike how, I still remember when we used to have like this small little office behind one of these staircases in one of our stores. So we were only able to fit in a small table and fit like five of us. 
And eventually we had an office which is about 1,000 square feet where we squeeze in about 40-ish of us. Mm. Communications were still very easy because you can just shout around and say, hey, I need this, I need this, right? And can I have the staff list or whatnot uh, through HR and all? But as we grew into our current size, cascading messages down, it's quite challenging. Yeah, especially getting everyone aligned. Mm. So as much as I think the key founding team ourselves are all very much aligned in mm. terms of uh, where we want to go or what we want to achieve. So it still relies heavily upon us on letting them know, hey, this is where right. we want to get to. But of course, we're putting in a lot of metrics and, and performance measures and, you know, uh, like things like OKRs and whatnot right. uh, to make sure that everyone's aligned, have a goal mm. because ultimately not everyone's mentally aligned and whatnot. So uh, we're putting in all these metrics so that it's easier for us to gauge along the right. way. I find that when the teams grow very quickly, yeah. right, I mean, in terms of building the culture, it's easy when it's a team of 10, yeah. right? We're all thinking the same way. But as you grow bigger, you know, there's a lot that needs to go into building that team vision, Right, exactly. especially if, you know if you've grown too fast too quickly, um, you know the other thing as well. Um, in terms of moving towards sustainability, which everyone is talking about, what are the plans moving forward in this area? I think the very first step that we did was switching our plastic straws to rice straws. Mm. I mean, as much as the customer experience itself is not the best because it melts uh, after mm. like, say, 30 minutes or 45 minutes, but that's one of our efforts to, you know, contribute towards ESG. Moving forward, we plan to recycle all the coffee waste that we have in all the stores and turn into probably merchandises or mm. things that we can reuse. Mm. Yeah, we also use a lot of plastic plastic cups. Mm. Yeah, that we are working with organisations to see how we are able to recycle them and eventually turn back into things we can use in store as well. Right. Uh, so these are efforts that we will focus on in 2023. Mm. Yeah. But again, it's very, very challenging because ultimately when there's more ESG effort, then the cost is going to be higher. But how do I make sure that this does not affect the margins and how do I continue to sell at a cheaper price to our customers? I think that will be the key. Right. Okay. Yeah. So even moving to paper cup is the idea. You are not yet. Our hot cups are actually paper cup. The cold drinks are actually plastics. Mm. Yeah. So there's consideration where our customers are okay using paper cups for your cold drinks and whatnot. Uh, so there's a lot of considerations that we need to take into account. Mm. Yeah. You know, so uh, last year, as it is, right, because you're dealing with a lot of uh, front-facing customers, you know, it's a very B2C business, you know, and there was a bit of a drama, right, on mm. social media, right? What are the, you know, lessons learned with that episode I won't go into it but like I guess just moving forward uh, what do you do in terms of it because this is going to happen especially I think it happens to all right one unhappy customer and then it gets viral right what do you do in these sort of situations in terms of crisis communications I think all this while we have always been, I think I shared a bit earlier mm. where uh, we have been very, very hands-on in terms of communication. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we get feedbacks directly, we deal with customers ourselves. And during that point of time was that we were actually very frustrated because we have always been very true and relevant towards community. Mm. Yeah, but unfortunately that was, we have been misinterpreted. So I think the lesson learned is that try to mellow down, calm down and not react too quickly. Mm. Yeah. And I think the key word would be humble. I wouldn't say that we were not humble, but it was very much emotional and frustration during this sort of period. Right. I think it applies to all the other FMB as well, because sometimes you see a lot of messages or uh, all these kind of press release and whatnot, right? They have done it in a very corporate manner for us. We still want to try to be as close to the community. Yeah. Yeah. 
but just got to be conscious <laughs> of whatever words they use. Okay, yeah. we all learn something new. Yeah. You launch a barista academy. Yep. Okay, uh, tell me about the barista academy and how's the response for that? Uh, I think uh, this barista academy is very much internal. Mm. Yeah. So as we were growing, we realized that one key thing is quality and consistency. Mm. Yeah. We didn't have much space to train our baristas, and as much as we do have a career journey, career path for baristas to all the way to district managers or operation managers, mm. we even created a management training program. Yeah, to turn talented, fresh grads to becoming or be able to run a retail business. And this academy itself is purely built so that we are able to have more space mm. and much more structured way in terms of how we can train. So for instance, in a bar itself, we have different segments, probably your, your POS, your cashier, your expedite section where you do all your packaging and then where you do your ice blended food prep and mm. all. So these are all split into different segments and we'll be able to train them accordingly mm. and evaluate them. So uh, I think uh, the target during them was actually to train 1,000 baristas where we have more than 1,000 baristas right now. Right. And there's a lot of interest, like uh, mostly guys? Not really. We, okay. I think on uh, Frontline itself, we have more than 50%, which is uh, female. Right. In fact, I was just sharing earlier on HQ level, we have uh, quite a fair bit of uh, female team members as mm. well. So we're quite equal in that sense. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else you'd like to add, Vernon? Uh, not really. I think uh, ultimately it's just we hope that we'll be able to be the national champion in Malaysia and more uh, of uh, Malaysians supporting us throughout this entire growth journey. All right. Yeah. Uh, all the best. Uh, Vernon Tian, uh, Chief Operating Officer, Zeus Coffee. I'm Frida Liu. You've been listening to Open for Business, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.